What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. I mean, yes and no, I guess. I mean, who wouldn't want to, you know, play in L.A.? I mean, you know, sunshine, it's women here, it's, you know, great basketball. Um, you know, it's, it's so much you can do here. So, you know, why not, you know, come here? Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where the wild, fun, lit, crazy, eclectic ride that was the Lakers 2017-18 regular season has just ended. And all I can say is, the glow-up is real, fam. Tommy, what do you have to say about the glow-up this year, and what does the glow-up mean to you? I have no idea what you're talking about right now. (laughs) Okay, if you had to use context clues, what do you think the glow-up means? Um, I don't know, dude. What do you mean? I don't know what the glow up is. You tell me. All right. I'm going to give you... I can tell you. All right, Alan, tell Tommy what the glow up is. I think the glow up is, was stated very well by one Kyle Kuzma today when he said, quote, there's sunshine, there's women here. Great basketball. Oh, fantastic. The glow up. That's the glow up, boys. That's the glow up, everybody. And the Lakers are on that glow up. All of their young studs look like actual studs. They look like they're going to be potential, at the very least, starter caliber contributors. And I'll just read the Urban Dictionary definition. There you go. I was just about to look that up. Good job. (laughs) We on the same page. According to Urban Dictionary, glow up means to go from the bottom to the top to the point of disbelief. An incredible transformation. Here's it in a contextual sentence. Wow, she really did glow up. From ugly duckling to gorgeous swan. (laughs) (laughs) That is what's in Urban Dictionary. And with the Lakers season just ending, the Lakers finished the season 35 and 47 with a win against the Clippers the other night. It's, I mean, we're joking about it, but I do feel like the glow up is pretty representative and a pretty good word to describe what has happened this season because... We have high expectations for all of our young guys every season, but as is stated by Urban Dictionary, I feel like we went from the bottom to the top to the point of disbelief with some of these guys' progression. And this whole episode is just going to be a recap of the season, what stood out to us, what we're looking forward to in the future, especially because the real season has started with all of the positive momentum we have going um, it's summertime. This is what we have built our entire off-season strategy towards. This is why we traded D'Angelo Russell. This is why we traded Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance Jr., cleared that cap space, got Mozgov off our books. And this is why we potentially might be trading our first-round pick to offload Luau Deng as well. Um, 
But yeah, before we get started, as usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us, that is how many... So each rating and review you give us, that is an extra $1,000 that will be put into Andre Ingram's bank account because that homie needs some more money because, man, they, sh- they showed the financials of how much D-leaguers are getting paid. And for like a full year, it's like 26K. And I don't even know if that's without tax. <laughs> 26K Damn. for a full year of D-league play. And Andre Ingram has to... He's like a t- private tutor or something in the off season. Yeah, he tutors in math. Yeah, and it's funny because his two day stint with the Lakers, his two game stint, garnered him twenty six k alone for just those two days. Um, so if you want to help Andre Ingram out, insanity, please rate and review us on iTunes because that's an extra thousand bucks in his bank account and for the inspiration he provided randomly towards the tail end of a very, very boring end to the season for the Lakers with everybody getting shut down. Uh, He deserves anything we can throw his way. So rate and review us on iTunes. Also, patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy Podcast. Uh, You can donate a dollar, donate $3, become a monthly sponsor or just a one-time sponsor. Anything would help. So with that said, Tommy, with regards to the glow up, what have your overarching thoughts on, I guess, this whole season been and you don't have to go into too much detail but for you is there like a theme that you would use to describe this season is there like a particular word that we use to describe it were there some things that you anticipated or or some things that were just kind of even in your wildest dreams you're like "Ah, i wouldn't have anticipated this i mean it's been such a weird season but you know for sure um so I think for me, and like you said, I won't go into too much detail because I think that's what we're going to get into the rest of the episode. But I think the word for me is character that mm. defines the season. I think the front office, the new front office came in just about a year ago. I mean, honestly, 14 months ago or so. And that from day one, they said character. And from day one on this uh, podcast, we were like, okay, that's great. Put your money where your mouth is now. And I think over the course of the year – 14 months really that they've been here. They really have put their money where their mouth is. Character has been of, of players, I should say, and, and building a team character has been a huge point of emphasis. And I feel like they've really delivered and that's come in guys. They've acquired um, the tone they've set with, with uh, you know, we're picking up Isaiah Tom. This is just one example. We're picking up Isaiah Thomas. This guy came top five in the NBA in MVP voting last year. Uh, he, you know, has been a starting point guard for many years. He averaged 30 points a game last year. Hey, FYI, you're going to come play off the bench for us. Um, and you're going to accept it and you're going to do it with a smile on your face. And that's the team culture we're, we're building. And, you know, it came from stuff like that. It came from drafting high character guys like Kyle Kuzma and Josh Hart. Um, uh, really everybody we drafted this year, including Lonzo and Thomas Bryant, really fit that as well. Guys that we called up, including the late season call up and Andre Ingram. I think character has been, you know, what has allowed us to persist because talent wise, we we were a little bit I mean, we definitely were better than we have been in previous years, but we have been so battered with injuries this year. And it's almost been like not as noticeable as it as it has been the last couple of years because of how well everybody's played and because of the character of the guys on the team. Um, so yeah, for me, character is the word that describes this, this season. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Alan, what about you? Yeah, I, I love that you chose that. Um, I just read a quote the other day from from John Wooden that said, you, know, you want a team that has character and is not full of characters. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I would say that our team... Uh, this year specifically was lacking in characters. So that's always a good thing. Uh, the word I thought of first was culture, which mm. I feel like is almost synonymous <laughs> with character, especially with the way you defined it. But um, the thing that our team has been missing for so long now and has been talking about is building that identity or even just finding some semblance of an identity. And whether that's the style of play um, that we have or whatever, I think this year the team truly has found their identity um, through building a good culture. Like you said, guys who have high character, um, we know that we're a team that wants to run and gun for sure. And we have the personnel that's willing to do that. We have a team where, to quote the Washington Wizards, everybody eats, right? You don't have any ball stoppers on this team. Again, referencing Andre Ingram, obviously it's like just two games, but the second that guy touched the ball, 
if he didn't have a good shot, and Luke said this, or an opportunity to drive and, like, kick, he was moving the ball immediately. Mm. And, you know, other than, like, few moments here and there where we may get frustrated with certain individuals, maybe taking some ill-advised shots or whatever, um, <clears throat> things like that rarely happened this season. So it was just very easy to watch. It wasn't a strain, you know, like, in the past at least for me, and I know you guys probably felt the same way. Watching some games was it was a struggle. You know, it was it was like I don't want to say like painful to watch, but it was it was just not easy on the eyes. And and this year, like you said, Tommy, even with all the injuries, it, it almost felt like um like in other sports like football or baseball where guys get hurt, guys get sent up and down from like the minor leagues, and then you just plug them in and you play. Um, we were able to do that this year and guys just stepped up. It was a next man up kind of mentality. Whereas in the past, if one guy goes down, it's like, Oh God, we're completely screwed. Now we're going to regress so far from where we were. And it's going to take such a you know huge effort just to go back to where we were to start. Um, that just wasn't the case at all this season. So I would definitely say, uh, culture is the word that would describe it for me. Yeah, and I like that you brought up Andre Ingram and his stint in the D-League and how his mentality was already just so right off the bat. Obviously, that comes with him having been in the G-League, D-League for the last 10 years and just being a, a veteran and a mature you know, adult. But I think we can probably assume that just from top to bottom, since Rob Palink and Magic have joined this organization, it's trickled down all the way to the D-League and the G-League. You know, you can sense that culture. Yeah, everything is kind of tightly wound together, and it's not the, all of these disconnected parts. And I think Andre Ingram is just a perfect example of that. The fact that he can seamlessly come in and already adopt that mentality that Luke is trying to do with the team, there's just like a sense of cohesiveness right now throughout the entire organization that I think you can't help but be excited and encouraged, right? When last last few seasons when we had... Mitch Kupchak and Jim Buss butting heads, Jim Buss and Jeannie Buss butting heads, Byron Scott, we don't know what the hell he was doing out there, you know, it, it was crazy, and at times it was so discombobulated, but I think now, and it's not that we haven't had questions, we, we definitely did, especially after the D'Angelo Russell trade and, and all that stuff, now we're kind of seeing things come to fruition, and we're seeing the full plan unfold, and it's just... Yeah, it's really encouraging, and we d I didn't plan any of this one-word kind of uh, setup going on, but I guess the one word that I would use to describe this season, and it starts with a C as well, would be camaraderie. So nice. uh, Tommy did um, – I already forgot Tommy's word. Culture. Wait, no. No, Alan's is culture. Character, Derek culture. Character. <laughs> character, <laughs> culture, and camaraderie. And I think we've seen that as the season has progressed from – how much the guys have have each other's backs, how they go on these roast fests uh, on each other and are just so hilarious with it on social media. Kyle Kuzma in today's exit interview talked so about funny, how dude. Lonzo Ball was 14-year-old kid and how Brandon <laughs> Ingram has only said 14 words the entire season. So 10 that's, words, but that's 10 okay. words. And that's why he has to be so vocal. Um, from Isaiah Thomas is like commenting on everyone's Instagram and like adding in his own jabs and his own words of encouragement and... The guys playing Fortnite together. It's been crazy just what a family this group has been through and through. Um, Lonzo Ball and Kyle Kuzma being BFFs from the start of Summer League up till now. Him talking about how starting starting this offseason, probably in the next month or so, they're all going to get to the gym and work out together. I don't think the camaraderie has been this tight. Um, even the group of guys that we brought in from Brooke Lopez and KCP, his jailhouse rock stint notwithstanding, and then Isaiah Thomas. I mean, it's just been a really good group of guys, and everyone's meshed really well. And even with Andre Ingram coming up, just to see how excited the guys were for him and how they were coming to his, you know, cheering him on and encouraging him, I think, yeah, it's just, it's it's been great to see the guys grow together. And it it's no surprise why I think it's translated so well on the court. Um, I think that's like that's a big reason of our success this season. Not just that we have talented guys and that we drafted well. It's just these guys really get along. They really fight for each other and they want to do this together. Um, and so obviously we'll get into some questions of what we should do if we start to pivot really quickly into contention and whether the strategy of breaking this young core apart is a good one. But 
overall, it's I'm really encouraged to end this season. Obviously, we had that malaise towards the end where guys were getting shut down. You know, Julius Randle was kind of burning out from having played all 82 games. Props to Julius. But by and large, uh, it's been a very successful season. And, and like Tommy said, if it weren't for the injuries or whatever, we probably would have been contending for the playoffs or at the very least, like 44 wins or so. And that that is an, an achievement in and of itself. So, um, Tommy, I'll turn it to you. Um, we had the exit interviews today. I don't know if you're able to catch any or some of it, but did anything stand out to you from the actual exit interviews? And if you wanted to add anything else about the season, go ahead and do so. The one thing I, uh, I'll answer both, but the first thing was uh, just about the season. I liked what you said when you were your time with your camaraderie thing, and you even brought in the guys like KCP and Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez, um, I don't think has ever, you know, had a history. I mean, I think pretty much wherever that guy's gone, he's been drama free and everybody likes him. He gets along with people. Not to say that doesn't apply to KCP, but look, KCP came in here under very bizarre circumstances, right? Like he thought he was going to get a certain deal the Pistons, in a lot of ways, kind of screwed him over because they gave him a qualifying offer, so nobody wanted to give offer him any money because he was a restricted free agent. Then they made a trade for Avery Bradley and kind of left him like out to dry because there was no teams with money. So KCP had the makings of a guy who is like, okay, look, I'm gonna come in here. I already think I'm, I, you know, the offer that I got, which was absurd, like four years, sixty-four million, was like an underpay. So I'm going to come in here on one year, 18 million, and I'm going to do whatever I want. Like, that's kind of what I expected. Um, and I expected, frankly, the coaching staff in the front office to bend over because he's represented by LeBron's agent and just be like, okay, do whatever you want. But yeah. again, the the culture, the camaraderie, the character, whatever you want to, however you want to describe it, like, it's amazing to me that we were able to get this guy to buy in, come here play within the offense. You know, he ended up shooting, I think, a career high from the field and a career high from three. Um, would have been even better numbers if he had not had that, you know, that tough month where he was obviously, like, dealing with his situation with jail or whatever. So he, I think, is a really, really strong example of, of how, uh, how like, a, a team coming together can overcome those kinds of weird circumstances. Two years ago in that situation, in this exact situation, we would have known exactly what we were getting. You know, sign KCP one-year overpay. Okay, that fool's coming in. He's going to shoot 20 times a game. And he's not going to pass. And he's going to feel like he can do whatever he wants. He's not going to play defense. But no, this dude was playing hard the whole year. Um the exit interview stuff, I didn't see a ton of it. I think the one thing that stood uh, out to me the most, um, or at least the player that stood out to me the most, was uh, Josh Hart. Um, Josh Hart, I think, on the whole, had a much better season than I expected. I knew that this will, this guy was going to be solid. Um, I didn't know that he was going to be able to contribute at this high of a level like immediately. Um Part of it was he had some injuries ahead of him, so he got lucky. Yeah. So especially towards the end of the season, he started playing a ton of minutes. But I think he proved that, you know, we've been so – this last several years that especially like the last four or five years since we've been in the lottery, we've been drafting guys who are 18, 19 years old every year. Um, we haven't really drafted that many older players you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. I can't really honestly even think of any. Josh Hart was a four-year college player, and I think we kind of lost perspective on how much value that brings. You're a four-year college player. You come into the NBA, you're ready to play. And Josh Hart really showed that. And the thing that stood out to me from his exit interview was, I want to work on my ball handling skills now. Mm-hmm. And that's really interesting to me because it's he. it's like he already does these other things so well. And that will just be like an extra, you know, piece of the puzzle that, you know, he had a quote, I think, from his coach, Jay Wright at Villanova, who he said, like, don't let anybody pigeonhole you or like tell you what you're supposed to be. Like, if don't let anybody tell you you're just a three and D guy. And I think Josh Hart is smart enough also to take that advice not in the way that Wesley Johnson took it, where it's like, <laughs> hey, Wesley Johnson, like, you probably should be a three and D guy also. Josh Hart, I think, is smart enough to take that advice and be like, okay, 
I know if I do if I shoot three pointers really well and play defense really well, I'll get on the floor. I'm not gonna like. I know who I am. I'm not gonna like go over and out there in the summer right now become an ISO one on one player. That being said, I know that like improving ball handling is not gonna hurt, and I'm a guard, so I have to be able to handle the ball. And I think that that could. You know, it's like your brain can't even process how good is this guy going to be. He was like, the, what was he, the 30th pick of the draft like in the first round? So if he can improve on that, it's going to be a uh, a huge, a huge uh, upgrade. And that's that's what stood out to me. I, I saw like a couple of things that Kuzma said that were like hilarious. But, <laughs> for, but in terms of like uh, substantive comments, I think that stood out to me. Yeah, so before we get in, get more in-depth into the exit interviews and I ask Alan on his thoughts, let's just land on Josh Hart for a minute just because I got to watch him last night against the Clippers. I mean, it was such a trash game. It was pretty much just a random scrimmage, open scrimmage, where no real plays were being set. But Josh Hart was the only reason to watch that game, really. And he had 30 points, 7 of 9 from 3. He had like a crazy, like, it was almost like a heat check, but he had Tobias Harris on a string and he would, he just did a dribble pull up in Tobias Harris's face from like five feet behind the three point line and he just drained it. And it's, it's crazy that, you know, initially I think we would have seen Josh Harden said, yeah, three and D guy, but I just see so much more potential in him now. And let's not forget that during the summer league, I think he played like one game, right? And then he was injured and out. So even from the start, I was like, oh man, That's this right. guy is going to have a slow start and he's probably, Maybe at the end he'll get minutes and whatnot, but I don't see him being like a real contributor. I I thought he would have the Thomas Bryant special, maybe a little more minutes, you know. Um, But given the fact that Lonzo Ball was a little brittle this season and we really had no additional guard depth, Josh Hart got his chances and man, did he capitalize on it, especially towards the end here. I mean, in April through seven games, 17 points, 49% shooting, 41% from three, hitting 2.4 a game. 78.6% from the free throw line, 6.3 rebounds, 2.1 assists, 1.1 steals. And that's not including just the very, very solid defense he plays and how hard he plays on defense, how he moves laterally so quickly and his finishing ability in transition, his finishing ability in the half court is insane. And um, just the steadiness and stability he, he provides the team has been great. And now I think in this last stretch where we've seen him without any other primary scorer, you know, Kuzma's not in there. Um, he has the ability to hit these mid-range jump shots. He is a way better three-point shooter than I anticipated. I, he's pretty much shooting like, I think since he since the new year, he's shooting like 40% from three, which is, which is crazy. Oh, and he's hitting like two a game. So I think Josh Hart has been another one of those revelations and... If we're talking about the D'Angelo Russell trade, oh no, D'Angelo Russell, ah, stop talking about him. Um, I think Josh Hart is the player that you want to say in pinpoint, this is the reason why we won the D'Angelo Russell trade. It's less about Kuzma, because we were going to get Kuzma one way or another. But now I look at Josh Hart, Thomas Bryant, and I say, yeah, I think we won the D'Angelo Russell trade. This guy can play defense. This guy can hit threes. He's going to work on his ball handling. There's no reason to think that he won't improve upon his skills and he already conducts himself like a true veteran. Um, that excites me about Josh Hart's future. And I mentioned it on Twitter, but why can't this guy be an Avery Bradley? That was pretty much Avery Bradley's MO. And I think he's taller than Avery Bradley too. He's like 6'5", much more sturdily built. He's a better finisher than Avery Bradley. If he continues to show this three-point prowess that he has this season, I mean, sky's the limit for Josh Hart too. And I, I mentioned it in our message thread on Facebook, our private message thread, but... I think he's he could potentially be a legitimate starting caliber point guard or guard in the league, like maybe even a better Courtney Lee version. Um, but maybe on our team, he's a six man just because we're planning to hopefully get some stars. But I think Josh Hart could inevitably become one of those really integral veteran guys that the Lakers um, used to have in their contending teams like Ron Harper, Brian Shaw, Rick Fox, you know, these guys were so important to the fabric of our championship teams. And I think Josh Hart could be that exact guy. And the fact that we lost Larry Nance Jr., it's even more paramount that we have a guy like Josh Hart, who's already so established. And I think as opposed to Larry Nance, he legitimately has skills that he can continue to improve upon. So, um, Alan, your thoughts on Josh Hart and then anything that stood out to you exit interview wise. Yeah, just, um, to touch on Josh Hart again, you know, you talked about his ability to finish and, um, I mean, again, like just 
the fact that he went to college for four years, was able to build his body. He's like more or less grown into his man body, so to speak, and uh, has learned mm. how to absorb contact. And <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more about that man body. He's <laughs> mm, all grown up in that. Um, so anyway, uh, field goal by distance, according to basketball reference, from zero to three feet, Josh Hart shot 68.1%. Now, I didn't look up like other rookie, you know, guards or whatever and what their percentages are, but I'm I'm thinking that that is definitely on the higher side of the average. Um <clears throat> and you know, you just have faith in like so many people always say, "Oh yeah, Josh Hart's going to be like another Derek Fisher." And you can try to figure out why people say that so often. It's like, "Well, Derek Fisher couldn't finish in the paint for crap." Nope. And Derek Fisher was 6 foot 2 and he was a pure point guard, you know. So Josh Hart is is not of that mold whatsoever. Um maybe with regards to you know, veteranism and leadership and that sort of thing. But um, I just feel like you guys both said the sky is the limit for him. Um, I really like also what Tommy pointed out about Jay Wright saying, basically, yeah, don't put a ceiling on yourself. Um, and um, it's going to be really exciting. I, I just think for all of our rookies, um, you know, Lonzo mentioned how Magic and Palinka told him this is going to be the most important sum of your life. Uh, I mean, every single person on our team should feel that way, but especially for the young dudes, that jump from year one to year two uh, is so critical. And I, I just imagine Josh Hart really taking that to heart. Mm. And um, good one. How'd you get to that one? Thank man? you, thank you. Uh, you know, I'm just yeah. a really smart guy. Wait, Alan, can you can you yeah, mention um, Josh Hart's block on Donovan Mitchell, slam dunk contest champion Ooh! Donovan Mitchell? Oh, ow, 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 ow. <laughs> That was sick, man. Yeah, I mean, he he obviously didn't want to get posterized, so he he reverse posterized him. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that was that was sick too. Um, but I think Pete even mentioned, shout out to Pete Zayas on Twitter, that it'd be really interesting if Josh played in summer league. And uh, you know, we don't necessarily anticipate Lonzo and the other guys participating this summer, but if Josh Hart is able to step into more of a um, you know, leadership role on the floor as kind of the the captain of the team, so to speak, and work on and apply things like his ball handling skills and uh, just be in more situations where decision making is his number one, you know, role on the team. I think that would provide a lot of opportunities for growth for him. And he may not play the entire summer league or whatever, but just a few games, uh, I think would be extremely beneficial for him. Yeah, agree. Um, Tommy, Can I just add want, one thing? Yeah, go for yeah it. I just wanted to add one thing on the Josh Hart. Uh, to add to that point, Alan was talking about how well he finishes around the rim. Uh, Cran just the other day tweeted, Cran just with basketball, if everybody follow, I'm sure most people follow him on Twitter. He tweeted the other day that as the ball handler in transition, as the ball handler scorer in transition, Josh Hart is like in the 93rd percentile or some crap. Like he's incredibly wow. good. Yeah, like. Wow. Overall transition, I think he was like about average, but as the ball handler, like taking the ball with the intention to score, he's like, he's absurdly good. So, uh, again, he, like he said, he wants to work on his ball handling playmaking. I think that'll compensate for like probably like a, a lot of where he struggles is when he's, you know, he has the ball, but he's not scoring. Um, he's trying to do something else. Maybe that brings his efficiency down in those positions. But yeah, as the scorer, he's, he's very, very efficient, which is intriguing because that's what we're trying to do is run. Yeah, he's kind of like the finishing version of Lonzo Ball because he'll just ram the ball down defense's throat in transition, but then he can actually finish because he's his body is so sturdy. He's almost like the guard version of Julius Randle too. Like yes. he can he can take in all that contact and still finish it cleanly. So I can't remember if I like told you guys about it or we talked about it on this podcast. But one time I fought, I watched Josh Hart stream Fortnite on Twitch. <laughs> and so like Laker fans go on there and like they ask him questions and like obviously he's playing the game, but like when he gets a chance he looks over and he answers them. And one guy just straight up asked him, like, how do you finish so well, dude? And his response was, You'll notice and this is so true, dude. It just shows you how smart this guy is. He's he's like, you'll notice that if I'm going up against somebody who's like much bigger than me or even a little bit bigger than me, I don't want to get my shot blocked. So what I do is I intentionally jump off the wrong foot mm. to like kind of throw them off. So like I'm trying to finish with my right hand, but I'll jump off my right foot. Or like, you know, I'm going to my left hand. I'll intentionally jump off my left foot. Um 
because it kind of throws off their timing. And at first when he started, I did notice that actually, but I was like, oh, this dude is just like a rookie. He's like raw. He doesn't know what he's <laughs> doing. He's out of control. But then I noticed he was finishing it every single time. Like his, his, it seemed like he was finishing it so well. And it, it turns out that's like a conscious thing that he's doing to avoid a shot getting blocked. Yeah, that's like next level strategy there. That's Mamba Network Muse Cage strategy. So I really appreciate that from Josh Hart. And I think last night he had a Fortnite celebration too after he hit a three pointer. <laughs> he, like, he, he did. It was hilarious, dude. Wait, can someone explain that to me? He was like wrapping his forearm or something. Or? Yeah. So in in a Fortnite, which I play from time to time. <laughs> um, he when you're when you're healing yourself with bandages or like you know any kind of healing your guy does this motion where he kind of moves his <laughs> hands like he's heal you know he's healing yeah, himself yeah. with bandages so Josh Hart uh he, he did that after he hit the 3 which was pretty funny Oh, and he was he was throwing flames into the basket. So that's a very appropriate celebration. <laughs> uh, thank you, Tommy, our Fortnite aficionado on this podcast. Hey, this is Brian from the Almighty Baller Podcast Network here to talk about keeps. So there's just no two ways to say it. Losing hair is awful. Nobody wants to go through it. And two out of three guys are going to experience hair loss by the time they're 35. This is the world we live in, people. Now, I personally haven't started this, you know, downturn, but I got a couple of people close to my life that go through it, and they always say, should have started it sooner rather than later. So anyways, these FDA-approved products used to cost so much, but now, thanks to Keeps, they're finally inexpensive and easy to get. For five minutes, now and starting just $10 per month, you'll never have to worry about hair loss again. So they've ironed out the process. Basically, you just take a photo of your hair, and you shoot it over, and a licensed physician will review the information, and recommend the right treatment to you, and then, boom, shipped right to your door every three months. So Keeps is only $10 to $35 a month, uh, plus now you can get your first month free uh, to, to what? To keep your hair. So come on, what are we talking about here? To receive your first month of treatment for free, go to keeps.com slash almighty. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash almighty. That's a free month of treatment at keeps.com slash almighty. Keeps hair today, hair tomorrow. Yeah, so good things from the Lakers. I think one thing that stood out to me from now moving in back into the exit interview talk and back into the culture and what we've established was Brooke Lopez's interview because he mentioned that yeah. this was one of the toughest years for him because his role continued to shift and this was the first time that he wasn't, you know, one of the go-to guys and he was kind of just relegated to being a three-point shooter. He really didn't find his footing till the new year. But even in spite of that, even in spite of this being the toughest year, he also said, if we're a contending team and the stars align, I could see myself taking a significant pay cut. Not just a pay cut, a significant pay cut. And Damn. How do you, what, what do you attribute that to other than the fact that the culture must have been so good? That's it. Given the fact that this guy is saying, ah, oh, this season was tough, I didn't have my bearings statistically, or my game was off and it was, it was inconsistent, but even in spite of that, I love what this team is doing. I love all of our young guys. He pretty much mentioned, like, dude, this team was carried by pretty much two second-year players, one third-year guy, a rookie. He, he was just listing off how impressive how impressed he was by this young group that was able to get 35 wins on their own in spite of all of the injuries we had to undergo with Lonzo Ball pretty much only playing 52 games, Brandon Ingram only playing 50-odd games. And in spite of that, these guys just kind of came together, filled in, the filled in the gaps, next man up type mentality. And the fact that Brooke Lopez is so, you know, glowing about all that stuff um, and that he wants to be a part of the momentum and this ride, I think is, is telling to me. I mean, we, we conjectured before, you know, maybe he'll take the qualifying offer or whatever, but the fact that he'd be so vocal about it prior to free agency even starting is frankly pretty incredible. And he said, if the stars align, I will take a significant pay cut. And that should tell you all you need to know about how the Lakers have positioned themselves so well um, into summer 2018. And everybody said it this exit interview. If we get a star, great, you know, that would be, we would not complain if we got a superstar, but if we don't get one, it'll be fine. We're going to fight for each other. We're going to stick with this young core group and we love playing with each other. We're going to be just fine. So I love to hear that mentality where, yeah, a star superstar like Paul George or LeBron James definitely could be the missing piece and put us over the edge. But 
it's almost as win-win a scenario as you can get, I think. So, Alan, did you have any other exit interview tidbits that you wanted to throw out there? Um, I mean, you guys honestly pretty much touched on all of them. I didn't get a chance to listen to everything, but there are a couple statistics that got flashed on the screen during the exit interviews. For example, Lonzo was uh, top five in all rookies for rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks. Mm. That's pretty insane. I don't know, you know, how many other rookies in the past have been able to say they were top five in four major statistical categories. Um, and then Josh Hart, this, this one you kind of like, you make of it whatever you want, but Josh Hart was one out of four rookies all year to score 20-plus points in four straight games. Um, obviously, they all came at the end of the year based on opportunity, but, I mean, the guy still had to put up and make the shots. So um, Kuzma, too. Both of them. Right, that's right. That's right. So 50% of the rookies who were able to accomplish <laughs> that were on our freaking team, and they were drafted 27th and 30th. Right. So um, just things like that really put the season in perspective. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I think pretty much I just echo everything you guys said as far as what impressed me. I, I did think uh, Kyle Kuzma was hilarious. <laughs> it just – he totally – he seems like he would just be the most vocal guy on a team. He seems the most comfortable um, just expressing and voicing, you know, his opinions and things like that. Um, so, yeah, that was about it. Cool. Uh, the last thing I want to point out is, you know, everybody seemed to, when it came down to the topic of off-season workouts and whatnot, everybody was zoned in. They know exactly what they want to do this off-season. They seem very intentional, very intentional yeah. about what they want to do. Brandon Ingram was like, you understand that this is going to be a very important, <laughs> of course, this is going to be a very important season, <laughs> well, you know, of, course. of course. Well, you know, of course, uh, <laughs> I think that I need to work on my body, of course. And, of course. Uh, I, you know. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, no, he, but he pretty much said that, you know, this is going to be a very, very integral season or off season for me. He's made tremendous strides as it is, still being pretty scrawny and barely 200 pounds, seven point jump in point differential seven point jump percentage wise shooting 47 percent. oh my god that that is that's nuts to me you know and no nobody's talking about it 47 percent three points went up three point percentage 39 percent right you know with yeah. more usage this guy is just gonna get better and like he said i'm gonna work on my body continue to work on strengthening it continue to work on bulking up it, i mean i i'm so excited to see next year's brandon ingram and i have no doubt that he's gonna work tremendously hard this offseason to get to the place where he wants to be and I, I i think we're gonna get like a beast next year and hopefully he won't be as brittle as he was um this season but yeah overall very encouraging stuff i think the the next topic i want to swing to is given the fact that all of our young guys are so good so much promise they all like to play for each other they all like to play together they all like to play Fortnite together and roast each other um what do we think about the prospects of, and I'm not even talking about if LeBron James comes and Paul George comes, then we have to trade Kyle Kuzma and stuff. But there has been recent news, obviously, with regards to Kawhi Leonard being very unhappy with his place in the San Antonio Spurs organization. There's a lot of drama and political stuff going on with him not wanting to play, maybe him being misdiagnosed or his injury being a mental thing like who really knows what any any what's happening besides the fact that it seems like he's unhappy and he may be entertaining leaving the San Antonio Spurs when his contract is up I think he becomes a free agent 2019 right um but given that you know there have been rumors that maybe San Antonio might have to trade him in the offseason if this relationship doesn't improve uh, news has come out that he's ready to play in the first round, game one of the first round series. Uh, so that's pretty interesting. No, um, that was fake news. Dude. Oh, that was fake news? Oh, yeah, okay. I saw that. Basically, there was a string, if anybody saw that today, there was a string of people uh, who somehow got fooled by this. But it was a tweet from last year. I guess I forgot, uh, but apparently... Kawhi was hurt right before the Spurs were about to play Golden State last year, too. So there was a tweet from last year that said Kawhi will be ready for game one against Golden State or something like that. And it got retweeted and it started like a chain of retweets. But the date oh of the article God. was May, May 11th, 2017. Stupid. Mona Ginobili's like, no, not again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. got three, three. 
Damn it. Hashtag fake news. Okay. Well, especially now that we know that that's fake news, things aren't well in San Antonio with Kawhi Leonard. And given that, you know, the Lakers have been linked to, well, if the, if the Spurs plan to trade him, the Lakers have this young core group that they could they have enough pieces that they can chip off maybe one or two pieces, include a draft pick, and maybe entice the Spurs to consider trading Kawhi Leonard because he is going to be a free agent in just a year. So with that said, Tommy, what do you think about the prospect of trading for Kawhi Leonard, knowing that once you get Kawhi Leonard in, then it makes it all the more easier to get another max free agent in um, yeah, in free agency this summer. And given the fact that I, I think we can pretty much guess what that package might be, it'll probably have to be two of the young core, uh, first yep. round pick. Maybe you can get away with one of the young core if it's like Alonzo Ball or a Brandon Ingram. But yeah, what are your thoughts? What what are your thoughts breaking up the core group? Let's say the the deal is like a Kyle Kuzma and Kyle Kuzma and a Brandon Ingram or a Kyle Kuzma and a Josh Hart even plus the Cavs pick and future considerations and whatnot mm-hmm. are, are you okay with doing that if you know you can get a Kawhi Leonard um, with the Lakers and then you can just add a Paul George to that group and then still have a Brandon Ingram a Julius Randle or Alonzo Ball yeah, so it's this is like such a tricky question that I'm sure like rebuilding teams have to think about all the time, which is annoying, right? But obviously, it's like it feels foolish to say, okay, if you have a chance to get Kawhi Leonard, who last year averaged 26 points a game, shooting 49 percent, 38 38 percent from three, 88 percent from the free throw line, six rebounds, four assists two steals, never turns it over, never makes mistakes. (laughs) Like also is one of the best defenders in the NBA. It's like, it feels silly to say that there's like no circumstance you do it. Um, So I I won't go that far. I just don't, honestly, I don't know. Like this is the situation. One of the few situations where I guess, first of all, I don't think the Spurs are actually going to trade him regardless of, they'll figure it out. They're the Spurs. Like they'll make a relationship work there. I feel like the Spurs, they don't like to talk about stuff a lot, and that begs a lot of questioning and speculation. So they're not going to come out and say, like, oh, there's a bad relationship. Um, or sorry, they're not going to come out and say, oh, no, there's not a bad relationship. I, so I think that leads to more speculation of how bad the, the, the relationship is when really it might be fine and he's yeah, just not like healthy. there's zero transparency. The <laughs> there's no transparency. It's just like Kawhi, who's one of the quietest guys in the NBA. Already to and then, begin with. Already right? <laughs> to begin with. And then the Spurs organization on top of that, it's like, to me, it's somewhat unsurprising that we're not hearing anything. But anyway, if they do trade him... This is one of the few situations in my life where I'm like, well, I'm really glad I'm not the one who has to make that decision because, like, is Kawhi better than Brandon Ingram could ultimately be? I don't know. I mean, probably Kawhi is one of the best players in the NBA, but who's to say that Brandon Ingram won't be one of the best players in the the NBA in four years? You know, Brandon Ingram is 20, Kawhi is 20, he's going to be 27 in a month or two months, you know? So, I, I... I'm leaning towards, you know, it's it's like the type of thing where if I woke up the day after the Spurs are eliminated and Kawhi's been traded for two of our young guys, then I won't be upset. Um, but on the other hand, I, I'll be, you know, I'll be sad that the young core is getting broken up, but I won't be like, oh, this is the end of the world. I'm assuming given the history of our front office, the limited history of one year, they probably won't. 14 months. 14 months. Uh, yeah, sorry, I won't sell them short. They, they, they probably won't, uh, you know, botch this if it, if it comes, to, if we end up becoming a player here. I just think that, you know, there's a lot of factors to consider. One, the one that you talked about is 2019, Kawhi's going to be a max free agent and he is going to earn the max. So we are going to have to pay him the max. That's one huge factor. Whereas Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, if you're able to add your own stars in free agency, that's how you add two max stars and then keep your entire young core together the entire time because they're so cheap. Um, you know, so that that's one way to to really build a dynasty as opposed to building an immediate contender. That being said, if you wait till free agency, you see that nothing's happening. I 
I can see a situation where you then are like more inclined to go after Kawhi. But again, it's like we saw with Isaiah Thomas this year. What is going on with this guy? Like he was supposed to only miss like the first two months of the season and he just never came back. He came back for nine games and never really looked like himself and then was out again. Um, So what is happening? Like, are you going to mortgage your future for the idea that this guy could be healthy? Like even if he gets cleared by doctors, is that a risk you want to take? And then, so what if he if he plays limited next year, and then you're forced with the decision of are we going to sign him? I, I just feel like it's a that's a, a second huge factor you have to consider. So then it becomes like, okay, what's the price? If you're giving up like Kyle Kuzma and you know maybe some maybe some lesser used assets and like a pick or something, maybe you can make the argument that okay, perhaps that's worth it, but. Once you start getting into guys like Lonzo Ball, who, despite his poor season, I, I still think is going to be like our best of the our best player out of the young core. Um, Brandon Ingram, despite his injuries, you know, so far, uh, or I guess really just this season, I think he's going to be probably our second best player, if not our best, out of the young core. So, mm-hmm. like, Ed, I, I just think that it's so risky to make that move. Obviously, in a vacuum, Kawhi Leonard is great if you could just get him and you know exactly, I'm going to get Kawhi Leonard. He's going to be 27 years old. He's going to be putting up 26 a game on efficient numbers and the greatest defense in the NBA for the next five years. That's one thing. But we just have no idea that's what we're going to get. Like, frankly, he hasn't played a whole season since he's been in the NBA. Um, He's been... You know, I think he he always has like minor injuries here here and there. He's still like, I don't think it's ever really held him out of significant playoff time except for last year. But I, it's just these are all factors, and I guess it's like as as stupid as I feel saying I don't know if I'd be comfortable doing that. I just want to point out that these are the reasons why I don't know yeah. if I'd be com- comfortable doing that. So anyway, I don't know what you guys think. I think I'm actually confident in saying I don't think I would do that. I know I sound crazy, but I think it's more a testament to what this team has done on their own accord than it is saying anything about what we think about Kawhi Leonard. We totally agree. Best player, if he can just, if this whole mystery between uh, regarding his health is just nothing but smoke and he returns to form, obviously you'd love to have Kawhi Leonard, but given the contextual things we talked about and that you just mentioned, Tommy, if you really want this guy, he has a player option in 2019 that if he takes because he doesn't want to stay in San Antonio, just wait, <laughs> just wait an extra exactly. year. Just wait. Yeah. Like you don't have to prematurely pull the plug. If you know that you can potentially still get Paul George and LeBron James and keep your young assets because Kyle Kuzma is a cost controlled player whose price point you can control for the next five, seven years, you know, same with Josh Hart. Exactly. So even if you're saying you're going to, we were only giving up Kyle Kuzma and Josh Hart and Thomas Bryant and the 25th pick to me, I'm like, no, I don't want to give up Kyle Kuzma. And given how good Josh Hart has looked and how he still shows upside as a 23 year old player. And you know that you can control these guys. Let's just wait. If yeah. we need to trade them down the road, we can still trade them down the road. Exactly. In a lot of ways, it's like, now that you bring that up, it's very similar to what happened, the conversations we were having last year. I mean, it was a little bit different in the sense that Paul George explicitly said, I'm going to the Lakers. So that made right. us even inclined to give up less. But I remember at the time, Laker fans all over Twitter, including us, were getting completely flamed for even suggesting that we wouldn't give up Julius Randle, Jordan Clarkson, and multiple picks to get uh, Paul George. Um, and and some people were saying, I can't believe the Lakers wouldn't give up the number two pick Lonzo Ball to get Paul George. And mm. in hindsight, it's like, look at how everything has turned out for us. And we still have a chance to get Paul George <laughs> yep. because nothing has changed, even though he got traded. Um, there's no, by any means, no indication that he, it seems like he's for sure going to stay there. So like, how, it's really not that different than than what we're seeing now. And the Lakers have more leverage now because they're an actual good team that just needs per- <laughs> peripheral superstar pieces, or honestly, just peripheral pieces. As you know, we we were talking about this on our message that earlier. But hey, if we strike out, this is the best strikeout scenario that we've ever had in the last five years of trying to do this cap space stuff, or actually last five to seven years, even when Kobe was here, because. You bring back Brooke Lopez, you bring back Isaiah Thomas, um, get another solid veteran piece and just pray for health. And you've got a playoff contending team, especially if you factor in all these guys are one year 
um, have one year under their belt more and another offseason to really mesh and gel together. And you have Isaiah Thomas in training right. camp. I mean, I don't think you we have the leverage. There's no need to be even more so now. There's no need to be desperate. So, uh, Alan, what are your thoughts on that? I really like the parallel that Tommy drew between um, the Kawhi thing and then Paul George last year. I didn't really think about it in that way before, but um, I think if there's one thing that this front office has shown is that they're not going to jump the gun. They're not going to make rash decisions, you know, and if they were to like pull the plug, like you guys said, on our young core just to acquire um, Kawhi Leonard right now. I don't know. It, it just seems like that would be out of character given we only have 14 months of our front office to, to look at. But um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm in the same boat as Tommy. I would say like if, if it all went down and we acquired Paul, um, God, I keep saying Paul George, if we acquire Kawhi Leonard and then we, we dump a few of our guys, I would definitely be sad. Cause it's like, God, like look at how much we accomplished in one year with, we'll just continue to use Kyle Kuzma and Josh Hart. And I mean, if we just got rid of them, it would feel like this season was kind of a waste in a way. However, you could, of course, then look at it as, well, those guys paved the way to getting a guy that's a top five player in the league. But because of the health situation and the fact that there is now a precedent set for guys coming back from injuries too soon, being misdiagnosed, whatever, it it just gives me a lot of pause personally. Um and, you know, they're obviously going to be privy to his medical situation. You would think they can vet all the doctors, you know, all across the United States to see what's really going on with the guy. And from there, they can make, um, you know, an educated decision. But um, if I had to guess what's going to happen, I don't think we would trade our young core pieces this offseason to get Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, or I think you can even extend this analogy to a Kawhi Leonard type player. I think you only make moves like that once you've got the bird in the hand, so to say. Is that how that idiom goes or whatever? I don't, I don't, you guys know I really got about that it. one. Me neither, <laughs> yeah. but you know, you got the bird <laughs> in good. your hand and you want to make sure that that you, bird does what? <laughs> that you get that other bird, right? Don't fly away. Doesn't, oh. <laughs> yeah. A bird in the hand is better than a. Worth two in the bush? Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like something like a bird in the hand is, yeah, worth two. Something like that. I don't know. What the hell does that even mean? stupid. It's like it's what you have tangibly is better than what you can't see because the Mm -hmm. two birds in the, you know, in the bush are like, you can't see them. It might be dead. You don't know. It could be dead. (laughs) It could have been wind blowing the bush. It could be lizards. They could be lizards. (laughs) It could be people. I'd rather just keep Brandon Ingram than get a fucking lizard. Excuse my (laughs) language. Bird in the hand's better than spilled glass of milk that you don't want to cry over because plants don't grow on money trees. <laughs> um, the money that we would have to pay Kawhi Leonard in 2019. Hey! <laughs> Let's see how we all connected that. No, I actually seriously wanted to bring up the Classic. money point again because if you commit to a guy like Kawhi Leonard, you're essentially committing to him... I mean, you're essentially committing your team to that structure for the next four years, and there's really no wiggle room for that. I think right now the Lakers have the highest form of flexibility that they're ever going to have with all the young core pieces they have right now at the controlled price points that they're at. I think it would just be smart for the Lakers to, again, assess all their options, and until they get a guy like Paul George, I think that the calculus changes dramatically. Once you get one of those legit superstar guys, then you can actually start to actually consider trading some of the young guys, but honestly, I would still try and work them out with that Paul George. You know, even if it's just Paul George, test it out first. You can still trade them later. You can still trade them at the trade deadline if need be, but wouldn't it be amazing if through first half of the season, let's say Paul George is the only superstar we get because we let them test it out and give them, gave them even like a three month trial period. What if they actually end up meshing? Well, Kyle Kuzma makes another leap and he's now a consistent 20 point score. Brandon Ingram's a 20 point score. I mean, Julius Randle continues to be a 20 point score. Uh, you know, this season we have three guys tied for 16 Lonzo points. Scores 20 points a game. I mean, Lopez, 20 points a game. <laughs> 20, 20, Josh 20, Hart, 20, 20 points a game. Like Alex 20 points a game. 160 points a game, bro. <laughs> a bird in the hand is worth $20 in the bush. 20 points per game. <laughs> So yeah, if you have all those happening, I mean, 
I think it, it just makes more sense to be judicious, wait things out. And um, yeah, I think, again, this episode is about the glow up and just how much our guys have progressed and the strides they've made. And yeah, I think it's just a testament to, I think, yeah, this whole season and what why we're so encouraged moving into the summer regardless of whether or not we actually strike out again. So I guess I'll give you guys the last word on like what you guys are looking forward to this offseason, how your sentiments have changed with regards to, yeah, last last offseasons where I guess we were still super hyped. I mean, I'm still super hyped. I recognize that it's a very, very pivotal um, and important offseason, especially because this is the time to do the two max plan. But for some reason, I'm just so much more at ease and at peace with everything yeah. regardless. So, Alan, what are your thoughts heading into this very, uh, yeah, pivotal, pivotal. Two, yeah, pivotal yeah. summer 2018 free agency? I mean, if we eventually stay pat and then add um, that first round draft pick and don't even trade it, um, it would kind of be like you would sigh a little bit of like, oh, well, that's like a little bit of a letdown, you know, after all the hype that's been created by ourselves and the entire freaking NBA. But at the end of it, if you look at our squad and, um, you know, if we keep IT on a one-year deal and Brooke and all that kind of stuff, essentially bring back the same dudes. I mean, we had so much fun this season. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't mind signing up for that again. And then, like you said before, assuming that health is – just better than this year it doesn't even have to be like perfect if guys can at least suit up 65 to 70 games uh next season we're absolutely sniffing the playoffs um so if at the very end that's what goes down i'm content with that uh if we add one big piece like a paul george then i'm gonna be thrilled you know and then if we add anything beyond that that's just a cherry on top but it isn't you know all out two max guys or bust and you know, if that doesn't go down, then we're super disappointed and the front office is a failure. I'm absolutely not in that position whatsoever. Mm, yeah. So, you know, when the D'Angelo trade happened at the beginning of the season, we were of that mentality. We better get a max guy or this trade was a bust, right? To be able to sit here and say now, it's no, it's not a bust, even if we don't get anybody yeah, I mean, I guess maybe I'll I'll eat crow on that and just. I mean, can't can't yeah. we win five more games next year? Pretty pretty darn easily. Get to forty. Oh, easily, you know, yeah, like easily. that is so reasonable. Okay, so how about six games, seven games, eight games, and then shoot, you know, you're right 20 there. Twenty games, right? Yeah, <laughs> twenty points per game. Twenty, 20 games points per game. Twenty games. <laughs> twenty more wins. The overriding point being that it's been an unexpectedly good season to the point where we can sit here and say, it's not going to be a bust, even if we strike out. And it's been, I also wanted to use the word eclectic because I felt like we've had so many different storylines in one season. Like we randomly have Isaiah Thomas. We had the Andre Ingram story towards the very end, Alonzo ball, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma's rise, Josh Hart's rise, Caruso sanity. I mean, so much has happened. 20 so points much per is, game. 20 points per game. So much has happened in one season. Bird from in the hand, 20 in the bush. Julius Randle being a bench player for the first half of it, not getting the minutes yeah. he deserved, and then all of a sudden becoming a 20 and 10 guy. Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance being traded. I mean, oh, any other insane. season, all this stuff would break a team. But like Tommy said, like everybody came together and we still somehow managed to right the ship regardless of where we were at in the season and rebound, even in spite of the nine game losing streak. Like there's just so many storylines that happened this year. And the fact that collectively the end end through line is we're going to be okay. We've got a, an amazing young core group who has such high upside and high potential. Do we have a Carl Towns? Do we have a Joel Embiid? No, but we could get one. And if anything, like the sum of our parts could be just as equal to one of those guys, which we have such a strong lineup of at least I'd say second tier players, second tier superstar type players. So, uh, Tommy, what are your thoughts heading into this offseason and how are you feeling about it? Uh, yeah, I think you actually summed it up really well, Jonathan, when you said um, it's this offseason is clearly super pivotal uh, but for some reason, I'm not nearly as like nervous about it as I have been in previous off seasons. Um, previous off seasons, first of all, we were always in just, I feel like between the last day of the season. So like right around mid April 
until mid to late May or whenever they do the lottery, I was just in, I had anxiety the entire time. Um, so that's kind of gone now, obviously, because we don't have a pick, but even despite like, even, you know, not paying attention to that, there's been a, there's always been this overarching, like, okay, well we have cab space. Are we actually going to do anything with it this time? And for the most part over the last five years or so, the answer has been no. Um, and we've gotten hype like this before. I mean, when LeBron was going to Cleveland, it's crazy that it's been that long, but like when LeBron was going to Cleveland, we weren't doing this show at that time, uh, going back to Cleveland, I should say, but we were all talking about how LeBron, like offline, we were all talking about how, oh, uh, you know, it makes so much sense for LeBron to come here. And like, now he's won rings in Miami and why wouldn't he come to LA? Why wouldn't he change conferences, try to win in another conference? And we had like all these storylines that seem like so objectively rational in our minds and it it just ended up not happening. And I guess, although we have these crazy storylines that seem to make sense again, you know, be it Paul George coming home and, you know, it's everything's been angling towards him coming home and he's in a weird situation, Oklahoma city. Why would he stay there? And like, you know, same thing with LeBron, all this stuff about him preparing for his post NBA career and all this, you know, stuff, it seems like it all makes sense, but and we say that, and that's fine. We're Laker fans. Like, maybe we're delusional. But it it is also the case that um, if none of that happens, we're still going to be fine. And we're still going to be fine because we have a culture now that makes sense. We have a play style that makes sense. We have a coach who's improving. We have young players who are improving. We can literally bring back the exact same team, you know, maybe minus KCP because I think he'll probably get a longer-term deal somewhere, but the exact same team with Isaiah who has a full year to recover on like a one-year – sorry, a full summer to recover on like a one-year overpay type deal with Brooke Lopez on like similarly on like a one-year overpay type deal. Um, And we can bring the same exact team back and probably make the playoffs. I mean we've improved nine wins each season with Luke – this year, we probably would have improved more than nine wins if we were actually trying to compete for the playoffs. Um, and and so it's just like there's so much more to be optimistic and positive about this year compared to previous years. And so I think that's why, regardless of what happens this offseason, obviously we have our own you know ideal scenarios, but regardless of what happens, I think I'll be satisfied. Yep. There's sunshine. There's women here. Great basketball. It's the glow up. Yay! It's like, hey man, let's let's uh, let's 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 get PG thirteen, man. It's for the kids. Don't be talking about women. And you can't talk about PG thirteen. That's tampering. Tamper mop. Beep. Ayo. <laughs> all right. Uh, I think we should all play Fortnite. <laughs> we should join the Fortnite bandwagon and join Tommy and uh, start playing this game, Alan. I'm pretty down, dude. <laughs> It's hard, dude. Fortnite is not an easy game. <laughs> I, I just want to do the the wrapping, the healing healing arm forearm thing. Oh yeah. Now that you've told me about it. All right. Uh, with that said, thank you guys for listening. Our next episode should be a fun one because we will go over our preseason predictions, statistically, and oh, our God. awards for the team. Uh, it's 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 interesting. I'll say that much. And I think you'd, you'd be surprised. <laughs> oh, you've already some, looked. I've already looked. I have it all Cheater. mapped out. So. Uh, I think I said Lonzo was going to average 105 points a game, so I'm probably <laughs> off on that. You're a little, you're a little off, but some of the other statistics were actually surprisingly, I don't know. You have to stay off. tuned for that. <laughs> uh, so yes, thank you guys for listening to this episode. We're excited for the off season, summer 2018. Our real season has begun. Playoffs should be fun. Everybody root for Donovan Mitchell and the Utah Jazz to make it a tough series for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Calling sweep. Uh, let's hope so that'd be awesome sweet <laughs> uh but thanks for listening follow us on twitter at lakers legacy pod please also rate and review us on itunes because the more you rate and review us that is how many bird in the hands you'll have in your hands 20 20 is a good number so please rate and review us 20 times all right uh, i'll catch you guys later <laughs> <laughs> all right bye later peace
Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents, which means you're going to start telling your kids to clean up before the cleaning lady comes. Doesn't make sense, but you're the parents and they're the kids. You're going to start telling them that now, too. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. And there's your opening to remind them who pays the bills around here. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. This is what flow from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi! Did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi! You have high cholesterol! Hi! You're fine! And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi! There's no more even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.